pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and you guys, I'm so glad that you've joined me here today. This episode is a good one. My guest, Denise Sultanfuss, is a busy woman. She lives on a farm. She has six children, some of whom have already grown, but one is still at home and she homeschools. And beyond that, we talk about an incredible story of recovery. Denise is a survivor of Lyme disease. After having walked the path of recovery herself, she's now a writer, advocate, and coach for those who are on their own wellness and recovery journeys. I think you're really going to be inspired by her story. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Okay, well, Denise, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name's Denise Saltonfuss, and I live on the eastern shore of Maryland on our family farm where we raise beef, sheep, organic lane hens, we grow herbs and flowers. And as a professional, I'm a writer and a faith-based integrative health and wellness coach. And I spend my time helping women Um, in a health crisis, set goals and reframe their mindset so that they can thrive in their relationships with others and sustain their well-being um, so that they can actually pursue and fulfill their God-given calling. That's so neat, Uh, which we're going to talk about quite a bit about about that today, but I'm interested in the farm. So you raise different kinds of livestock. Do you raise vegetables as well or just herbs and flowers? Well, we do raise vegetables. We grow vegetables mainly for us. Um, we uh, grow uh, flowers and herbs. We you know, often sell them at the farmer's market or people just come to the farm and buy them. But yeah, commercially, we raise um, beef and I sell the wool. I have wool sheep. And yeah, and they're all named after characters in a Jane Austen novel from a Jane Austen <laughs> novel. And so I sell the wool. Yeah. That is so neat. So we we always have a big garden. We have chickens, but and my parents-in-law who kind of live next door have cows, so we get to enjoy the benefits but not have to take care of them, which is pretty great. <laughs> so yes. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever we have an emergency with one of the cows or sheep, which is it's pretty often, we call it a jailbreak because all hands have to be on deck to yes. get them back in their proper place. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we've had them break into our yard quite a few times. Usually yeah, they don't find my flowers, so that's good. It's a little alarming when you look out your window and you see a 1,500-pound cow just sort of meandering around your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, Denise, I know you have quite an incredible story as far as illness and recovery and healing and what the Lord's brought you through. And I wondered if you would share some of that with us today. Sure. I'd love to. It's, it's something I really, I get excited and passionate about sharing. It's really what launched me into uh, becoming a health and wellness coach because I felt like I needed to share my journey with other women uh, you know, it, it, as a sign of hope that there is healing and restoration uh, when you're from illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have have or had Lyme disease. Would you say you still have it? 
No, I actually, okay. I, yeah, I eradicated the disease in 2018. So I battled the disease for about a decade. And it's very unusual to be able to completely eradicate it. And because oftentimes it goes into remission, but I have eradicated the disease and I only have Lyme disease left one little stamp on my body. And I have a slight heart condition that was because of a Lyme disease, which is not unusual, but that is sort of the last, um, that Lyme left on my body, the last imprint. Yeah. So now can you take me back to when you were first diagnosed or when you were first sick? Because I've had a couple friends over the years who've had Lyme disease and it's a really tricky thing with lots of symptoms. It gets misdiagnosed really frequently and it's hard to find a doctor that knows how to treat it or will treat it. Um, what was that whole process like for you? Well, it was a journey. We'll start with that. It was a journey. And so in 2018, I noticed some swelling in my joints and unusual headaches and it's extreme fatigue. I had brain fog and slight depression and I, I developed Bell's palsy and I just knew something inside my body wasn't right because all of these symptoms were presenting themselves almost one after another. And so I went to see my health healthcare provider and she suggested that I was depressed and she offered a pharmaceutical, but I knew that the depression was just one of many other symptoms that, I, that my body was exhibiting. And I knew that the, the depression was part of a much bigger picture. I just knew that. And so we live in the epicenter here in Maryland, we live in the epicenter of Lyme disease. So I knew that. And we live on a farm, so we're constantly outside. And what a lot of uh, people don't realize is that we have different mammals that are carriers of Lyme disease, rabbits and mice, and not just deer. And so it's important for people to realize that. And I work in, a, in my garden all the time, and it's really infested with these beautiful little fluffy rabbits. And so more than likely, that's where I picked up the Lyme disease, not from trudging through the forest and, or hiking. It was probably in my own backyard doing something I do and love, which is gardening. And so I was able to convince my healthcare provider to run a specific series of tests. And that's really important to know exactly what types of tests to request. And so she did. And about three weeks later, my diagnosis came through and I did in fact have acute Lyme disease. So really that's when my journey started. And at the time, resources and medical care for Lyme disease was extremely limited. And as soon as my doctor actually phone called, she phone called with my diagnosis and she admitted that once she offered the typical antibiotic that she really didn't know what to do. So really at that point, it was important for me to advocate for myself. And so I had to launch into research and I bought every book or checked out every book I could on Lyme disease. That seems overwhelming to me. Did it feel overwhelming to you? It was very overwhelming because my children were young. I was homeschooling. And at the same time, I was really, really sick. And I remember very vividly 
one morning waking up and sitting on the edge of my bed. And I, I had to talk myself into actually getting out of bed. And really, I would say that was the height of my illness because it was so uncharacteristic of me and I was having insomnia. So the fatigue was just crippling. And I knew that I needed to get help. And I was able to, you know, get out of bed, but I couldn't even return phone calls. I just wasn't myself. So luckily, and, and you know, just by the grace of God, I was able to get in contact with a Lyme literate physician who is an OBGYN. So she understood female health, which is great because for women, uh, Lyme disease affects our hormones. It almost in, inevitably imbalances the hormones. And so we ended up collaborating together in writing several articles on integrative approaches to Lyme disease. And um, I was able to get a protocol from her and that was a terrific learning experience. And I stayed in her protocol for about a year and some of the protocol I still maintain. And the reason a lot of people wonder why would an OBGYN be interested in Lyme disease? Well, it's really important to say that Lyme disease mimics perimenopause and menopause. So she was receiving a lot of patients who had these symptoms. And so she investigated these symptoms because a lot of these patients were too young to exhibit these, these symptoms and these side effects. And so as she dug deeper into these case studies, um, of these patients, she realized, and after she did, you know, blood work, that they actually, many of them had Lyme disease. And so she actually reduced her OBGYN practice down to like three days a week. And then she really launched her Lyme disease practice. How interesting. It so very interesting. When you're talking about those symptoms, are you talking about hot flashes, mood swings? Is there more stuff than that as well that would mimic, uh, perimenopause or menopause? So it would be like insomnia. It would be headaches. It would be mood swings, mood imbalances. Um, Lyme disease affects the adrenal glands. And so you're going to have a lot of um, hormonal imbalance. Um, It affects your, uh, your eating life. Sometimes it causes you to eat too much, maybe not eat anything at all. Just a lot of those types of, um, you know, the brain fog is also um, a symptom of, of menopause, but it's a mm-hmm. huge symptom, a huge symptom of Lyme disease as well. So you see they overlapped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I mean, I think as we talk, you're probably going to tell me some of the protocol that you have put in place for yourself and now for some of your clients. But how do you feel like faith played a role in your healing journey? Well, it played a huge, huge role. I just posted on Instagram yesterday um, that faith and tenacity make they make a fearsome duo, and yeah. that's really yeah, faith and tenacity because that really pushed me through that that decade long ordeal. So when you're sick for ten years, ten years that's a long time. That is a long now, time. Yeah, and and towards the end, I was getting better which was very encouraging, but you do realize that you're still sick. So, um, yeah, faith and tenacity really got me through the darkest days of the illness. And it actually cultivated the inner warrior in me. And so that's why it's so exciting for me to help other people 
Because if you can just, um, you know, couple those two characteristics, faith and tenacity, it's very, um, it can really push you through any circumstance. And they helped me navigate a disease, Ginny, that really didn't have a roadmap. There was no roadmap at the time. And so I had to navigate this um, with very little resources, as I mentioned before. So um, it, you know, both of those, the faith and the tenacity, it fostered um, boldness so that I could choose, uh, you know, a, a healing program, an integrative health and wellness program that really wasn't very conventional at the time. Mm -hmm. It also helped me make decisions and, and it helped me have the courage to advocate for myself. And, um, and so I would say I grew exponentially and faith and tenacity both allowed me to go through this treacherous illness without losing my joy. Mm -hmm. Even though there were times where I was sick and like I said, I couldn't even get out of bed. I just, I still maintained joy. I was able to see, find joy in the small things, like, you know, um, the joy of just having to farm, even though I really wasn't physically capable of working it at the time or participating in it as much as I normally did. Um, I, I, I really gave myself permission to rest, you know, those types of things. And so faith played a huge, huge role. And when I talk to my clients, that's one of the very first things that we talk about is the importance of, of your spiritual life, because that will fuel the rest of your healing. Can you share how you decided to start your own business of coaching? Because it's one thing to go through it yourself. It's another thing to think, you know what? I think I'm ready. I'm ready to help other people. Other people need to know about this. Yeah, well, actually, I, I, was, I just went back to graduate. I finished graduate school uh, about two years ago, and I... I always wanted to be a writer and I started writing before I got sick. And of course the ebb and flow of my energy, I wasn't able to really devote a lot of time to my writing, but as I got stronger and I, my health was being restored, I started writing more. And then I always came back to health and wellness. That was just a passion of mine. And so uh, I decided that I would share my story about Lyme disease and, um, and, and to give people hope. And I decided, you know, I, I really like the coaching aspect and being able to work one-on-one. -on -one. I'm an introvert, so public speaking wasn't even in the picture. And I really enjoyed small group work, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, small workshops. And then I decided, you know, health and wellness coaching is the way to do it. And then I decided integrative, the integrative approach, because I, I, wholeheartedly believe that biomedicine has a place for us and it offers, um, you know, a great alternative. But for my particular disease with Lyme disease, it's nearly impossible to eradicate without bringing in a holistic protocol. So you sort of have to marry the two. And that's why I love integrative approaches. And, and as a coach, I often collaborate with my clients' biomedical doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's where I started. So I finished graduate school, and then I really started to launch my coaching program. Very neat. So I talk a lot about soul care on my podcast, and I read recently when it comes, you don't call it soul care; you call it soulful self care, self care. Right. But yeah. same thing. I love same it. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I read on your blog that you said, 
I'm a recovering self-care skeptic. My love-hate relationship with the concept spans two decades. In the twilight days of my mothering, I confused self-care with selfishness. I thought a much-needed respite was a trademark of weakness. Self-care cultivates a vibrant spiritual life, manages stress, prevents burnout, and fosters a lifestyle of healthy living. So I wanted to talk to you today about about soul care because it's something that you work with a lot with your clients as well. But first, I want to know what does it look like for you these days through a pandemic, as you're taking care of a farm, as you're managing a business, still homeschooling a child that's at home. What does it look like right now? Well, after my um, skepticism for for soulful self care. I was able to, so soulful self-care is a part of my health and wellness blueprint, which means I um, integrate it into my everyday living. So it's not something that I do on um, monthly, but it's it's sort of part of my lifestyle. I cultivated a lifestyle. And so I know that in order for my body to thrive and my spiritual life to thrive and my mental health to thrive, I need to provide opportunities for soulful self-care. And, and, and I do that in a, in a host of ways. Um, so for example, I do a lot of journaling and I do a lot of walking. So I talk a lot about um, on my blog with soulful self-care, the different dimensions of self-care. And I look at spiritual and I talk to my clients and I, I, I practice this myself, emotional self-care, intellectual self-care, um, physical self-care. And so I incorporate all of those into my health and wellness. Perfect. I do. I do the same. And I saw social was one of yours as well. Yes. That's yes. just it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it, you know, there are some some practices and you know a practice is something that you embody so there are some practices that I do all the time like journaling and walking but but when it comes to like other practices um like social the social aspect you know I might do that once a month but I make sure that I incorporate that into my you know the the global health and wellness blueprint of Denise and so yeah and and I encourage my clients to do that as well particularly if they're facing a health crisis. Yes, yes. And there's and they're trying to restore their health or particularly if they're batting, battling uh, chronic stress. So mm-hmm. we talk we spend a lot of time talking about that. Mhm. So I'm interested in the intellectual one. What does that what does that look like? Is that reading? Is that making sure you're still learning? Does that look different for each person? Well, I would say that intellectual wellness means like you, you afford yourself the opportunities to explore new ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, and you know, even if it's reading a different type of book, um, I love the quote by the Christian writer, Andrew, um, LePew. Le and he says that we should increase our treasure house of knowledge, emotions, and abilities, because then it gives us a bank to draw from. And for example, practical ways would be if you've always wanted to learn how to play an instrument or um, you wanted to read or listen to a book outside of your favorite reading list or uh, start a new hobby, visit a museum, take a new class, those those types of things. 
so for me, I, I went back to graduate school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so it was great. It was, it was a perfect, it was a good timing for me. It was a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but it was definitely intellectual, um, soul care for me because I thrived and I, I devoted, um, you know, time into reading new material. And it was just really, really a great experience. What was your major? Uh, in integrative health and wellness coaching. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. That's so great. Yeah. So you write on your blog about there's five D's of soulful self-care. Can you walk us through those? What, what do those mean? I would love to. Um, so the first D is doubt. And we have to say to ourselves that soul care isn't selfish. It's not a sign of weakness and sort of reframing our mindset. So I always say if I had a dollar every time I either read or heard a woman dismiss the need to add compassion or self-care to their, to their daily living or to their lifestyle, I say I would be writing um, from a beach in Belize because I would be rich. I hear it so often. <laughs> and um, yeah, so while mom fatigue and, and being an employee, being a wife, being in ministry, these are all feelings of overwhelmed and they're a part of life. But we have to remember that restoring our health depends on cultivating a rhythm mm. of, of, of soul care. And so it requires intentionality. And so often that's what I help women do. I help them integrate it as a practice into their and into a rhythm into their daily life. Mm -hmm. So that's doubt. So, so we dismiss the doubt and then we deconstruct. We deconstruct all of our preconceived notions about, um, about self-care and we have to dismantle um, you know, negative concepts about it. And we have to build a deeper understanding. And sometimes it helps to deconstruct and then rebuild. Um, and we have, to, and, and, and we look at self-care, that, that it serves a higher purpose. And it's actually very entwined with our spiritual life. We live in a relationship with others at home and church and work and in our neighborhoods. And so in order to fulfill all those compartments, we have to make sure that we replenish ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, so we deconstruct any types of doubt. And the third D is define. So we define soulful self-care because sometimes if you redefine it, it, it takes on a new, it takes on a new perspective. So often with my clients, I define soulful self-care as healthy living practices and activities that you can engage in on a regular basis so that you can thrive with others and sustain your well-being so you can fulfill your God-giving calling and purpose. You can't do that if you are ill. You can't That's do right. that if you're distracted. So, um, so, so that's what we do. We kind of attach a new definition to it, a new trajectory, and it helps, it helps to embrace the practice. And the last D is decision. That's number four. Number four is decision where you actively start making the decision to incorporate and integrate soul care into your health and wellness blueprint, into your daily living. And so we do that. We talk about making the decision. And number five are the dimensions that we talked about 
earlier. Mm -hmm. And so there's the five D's. The spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual, and social. Exactly. That's perfect. Yeah. So I have, I find that we have to cover the, the D's first before the dimensions. And that's why I put the dimensions last. Well, I think you're exactly right. I have, it seems that many people misinterpret maybe what soulful self-care or soul care, however you want to say it, means. And often it's like, well, I don't have time for that. Or yeah, yoga is great for some people, but that's not my thing. Um, Or it must mean I have to go on a new diet or it must mean that I have to get pedicures and I just don't have money for that. And I, and I think you're exactly right. It looks different for different people. It may look different in different seasons of our lives as well. So with four kids, you know, finding quiet is an important practice for me right now because I find that if there's noise 24-7, I'm not my best self. And so finding, finding yeah. quiet moments where I'm not as distracted is a key part of mine right now. Walking is a key part of mine as well. So I love how you break that up in a real easy and practical way and manageable way. Cause you're right. It has to be a rhythm. It's not something we can just fit in occasionally here and there, but something that we can actually stick to like a lifestyle. That's perfect. And you're right. And I find when I have conversations with my clients and they realize that we're going to build soul care and we're going to individualize it. We're not going to listen to the chorus of noise in the weight reduction industry. We're not going to have to go in and join a gym. For some women, that you know, joining a gym would would serve them. For others, it would not serve them. So we we individualize it, and that is very freeing for some women. That mm-hmm. yes, movement for for one woman is going into the garden and or walking, and it may look very different for for someone else. Yeah. And so, you know, you, the, just experiencing that liberty that you don't have to squeeze yourself into this one size fits all soul care box. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I love to ask all of my guests, do you have a favorite scripture passage or one that's speaking to you in this season of life? I do. I actually, um, it's Elijah in first Kings 19, that, that beautiful story. And the reason I love this and it connects so well with my clients and it helps bridge the gap between, um, you know, a lot of people separate the fact that we are created as physical and spiritual beings. So this sort of helps um, bridge that gap and helps them understand that the two are entwined, inescapably entwined. And um, it's in Elijah, it's when um, that God assigned Elijah the task um, to go and, and fight and and Elijah, God had called Elijah to do these very difficult physical and emotional and spiritual tasks. And it depleted him. It depleted Elijah's energy and it depleted him emotionally and spiritually. But instead of at the end of the day, at the end of the task, instead of rebuking Elijah for his exhaustion and his frailty and his hunger, God met Elijah where he was and he strengthened his body. So he provided Elijah with physical restoration, which included food and rest. Mm-hmm. And so that, why did he do that? Well, because he knew that Elijah needed those two components in order to go out and meet the spiritual needs of others. And so we can't 
dismiss or overlook that our souls are in a body that gets very weary from our daily living and, you know, living in a fallen world and the responsibilities that we have. And so most likely the, the soul care that Elijah received nourished, nourished his soul so that mm-hmm. he could, he could get on with the rest of his task. So mm-hmm. I look at that one of my favorite stories because it sort of gives us biblical permission to continue on and, and look at our body as a stewardship project. Mm-hmm. And I try I and I try and, 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 and really highlight that with my clients that this isn't about, this isn't about weight loss. This is about a stewardship project so that you, you can um, restore your health, replenish your health so that you can serve others from a place of wholeness. And so yeah. um, I would say that's like one of my favorite illustrations of just the, the goodness of God for us and the demonstration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, I love that passage as well. And I know you are thinking more from a physical perspective because that's mostly what you deal with people. And I work with mental health issues. And so I love that passage for mental health as well because he was depleted and he got to a place where he was saying, Lord, could I just die? Right. I mean, when when we get to a really exhausted place where we're really depleted, I mean, that's the ultimate, right? Like, I'm just ready to die. I just want to lay down. Could you take me now? Kind of thing. So speaking of depression, we could say that he was clinically depressed. Right. But instead of saying, coming down and giving him a nice little pep talk, you know, the Lord just knew he needed to rest. Like, he, he was past the point of exhaustion. And so he sent food and he sent water and he gave him sleep. And then he gave him the next assignment. And so I think how much he knows how he made us. He knows how he made our bodies, our emotions. And he knows just what we need, knowing that he cares for us, even in those moments. So I love that passage as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to, before you go today, if my listeners want to know more about you or more about some of the things that you do, where are the places they can find you? And what are the things that you're up to right now? Well, I'm getting ready to launch my um, a new uh, health and wellness integrative health and wellness group coaching program, and that starts in May. And you can find the information on my website denisesaltonfuss.com. And I always offer one-on-one coaching. I have several different options, different packages, and I offer a lot of resources. One of the one of my favorite resources that I offer are meal plans, because I understand that it is very difficult and it takes a lot of time and we all suffer from meal planning fatigue. Who doesn't? (laughs) And so I do the work for people because it's just something I love to do. And so I offer numerous meal plans. Um, My latest one is a stress and anxiety meal plan. And so it uses nutrients from from real foods that help um, manage and um, eliminate stress and anxiety. So, um, and then I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I have a Facebook, Facebook page as well, Denise Salton Fuss. Um, and so on Instagram, I'm Denise Salton Fuss as well. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and, and again, my website is denisesaltonfuss.com. Okay. And I will make sure I link to that on today's show notes as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to talk about today that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Um, no, I really enjoyed um, 
I feel like I've ex I talked so much about these these topics that I love so much. I'm so passionate about, but no, I just feel like um, I remember Sally Clarkson once said something like this. She said that women we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves and not wait until there's a crisis. And so if we can do that, if we can provide resources and opportunities for us to help women take care of themselves before there is a health crisis or an illness or a disease, then that's what excites me. And I'm sure that's what excites you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's been really great talking with you. Thanks again, Denise, for being on today's podcast episode. It was so good to connect with you, to hear your story, and to chat about soul care. Friends, if you'd like to know more about Denise and what she's up to, you can follow her on Instagram, and I will also link to her website in today's show notes. Well, friends, in two weeks, I am excited to tell you that I will have a biography episode. I know I said that last time, and then I ended up switching around my May schedule, but don't worry. It's coming for real this time. I am excited to talk about Amanda Berry Smith. Now, if you don't know much of her story, you are definitely going to want to come back and I would love to introduce you to her. She is a fascinating woman full of faith. You know you can always find me and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pause Renew Next. And you can find and subscribe to the podcast on almost any podcasting app. If you like this podcast, please do me a favor and go out and give us a good rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. Ratings and reviews help new people find this podcast a little more easily. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.